No matter the landscape, we will continue to see movement in the market, and today is no different. We're going to take a look at what not only the stock market might be looking like, but also a handful of tokens. Obviously, we'll dive into Bitcoin, ETH, Solana, maybe a little XRP, all of the good in that. Um, my name is Paul Barrow. Welcome back into TechPath. Uh, and as usual, when we want to dive into kind of the complexities of where the market is going, we bring in the ace, the master, the one and only man that never sleeps, <laughs> Garrett Soloway. How you doing, Garrett? I'm doing really well. How about you? I'm excellent, man. Uh, good, good to see you always uh, on better days, I'm sure. But anyway, let's get into it today. I want to talk first about the Dow. Uh, obviously, gaining 200 points uh, last week saw a little bit of build on that. When you look at that, I've, and this came mostly after the CPI, I, I was just kind of curious. Uh, first of all, what your thoughts were. If FTX had not happened, literally just maybe and stave off three or maybe five days, uh, I wonder what crypto would have looked like with that news coming out of the CPI last week. So, yeah. Interesting. Where do you think the Dow is going? What, what's your current position right now on securities? Yeah, so so on securities, I'm in the camp that we're getting closer to the end of the move up than the beginning here. Uh, I think the PPI data is tomorrow, so there there's right. going to be some intrigue there. Is does it confirm the P, the CPI data from last week? Does it show us that we're seeing this reduction in inflation, or does it freak the markets out on the other side of the coin that that maybe it's not coming down as much? But if you look at the Dow, I mean, we've had this epic run from about twenty eight thousand six hundred and seventy five now to 30, almost 34,000. So again, I look at that, I continue to remind myself we're in a bear market. The Fed, even if they are slowing the, the rate of hikes and how much they're hiking, we're still in a very restrictive market in terms of interest rates, and that's going to continue to slow down the economy. So we have to remember that a slower economy means slower earnings growth or a decline in earnings growth. And I do think that this is a bear market rally. We should start to see a downshift. All right. So um, there was one piece in this article that I thought was interesting uh, right here it was in reference to the Fed governor. Uh, her comments came after Fed co governor Christopher Waller said, Sonny, hey, we're at a point uh, where we can start thinking of maybe going to a slower pace, uh, but we're not softening. So I don't understand how that works, but quit paying attention to the, to the pace and start paying attention to where the end point is going to be. Also heard news uh, this week that we may see an adjustment on an upward adjustment on the acceptable uh, you know, inflation rate, possibly going to three. And this is something you and I have been talking about. So again, Gareth was right. <laughs> but what are your thoughts about the, the slowing versus that this isn't softening? Kind of a right. combination, yeah. So, so to, to the market, at least initially, that's almost irrelevant. The market just wanted to see an adjustment where they're not continually nailing us with 75, 75, 75. And so that was kind of the relief. Okay, there we're on now the downshift of the mountain, right? Instead of 75, maybe it's 50 or 25 in in December, which is, by the way, just coming up in a real fast amount of time here. But I think I think also you look at it and say, okay, does the acceptable inflation rate, does that need to change? And the answer is, yeah, they're going to move the goalposts. That's what the Fed has always done, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it was yeah. it was initially that this was okay and now it's not. And then, you know, they're just going to continue to do it. And it's one more step to the long-term, you know, negative outlook, in my opinion, for the U.S. dollar, where even though they won't go back to printing money in the near term, there will be a scenario economically where they're forced to, or at least they'll make the excuse that they need to. Yeah, yeah. I think the the case right now still puts a lot of pressure on the macro elements that are going to continue to be 
somewhat trailing numbers. I mean, obviously saw the numbers from Meta come in with 11,000 in the layoff and an immediate market reaction in the positive side for Meta. Because anytime you start to adjust your cost position like that, when you look at Meta, the stock, I want to look at your chart on Meta because full disclosure, I'm invested in Meta. And I like the concept of what they're trying to do. Do you feel like this is enough for the market to respect it and hold it back in to uh, kind of the at least a, a somewhat consistent number versus it falling down into the 80s like it had done? Which, by the way, I was listening to you last time, and you said look for that, uh, I think it was 88, 86, and we were, we were watching for that. So uh, thanks to you again. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this chart right now? Yeah, so so number one, I mean, if we flip over to the chart here, we can see clearly that that 88-86 level came from this channel, right? So we were stuck in this longer-term channel. Every time we got to the high end, we would then get pushed down to the low end, and that's really where that level came from. Inclusive of that was this long-term trend line going back all the way to 2015. So that was kind of the bullish side of it. And then in addition, you know me, I'm a contrarian, Paul, and and yeah. everyone was hating on this stock when it was in the 90s and the, in the high yeah. 80s. And for me, that's like, okay, well, if everyone hates it, then anyone who was going to sell probably already sold, which means there's probably no one or minimal sellers left, more buyers on any sort of positive news. And what did we get? We got a a thing saying, okay, we're going to see layoffs here, which is cost cutting, which is exactly what the market just needed a bone from Mark Zuckerberg, right? They just needed some recognition that he wasn't really driving the company into the ground. And here he's showing some fiscal responsibility, which we wish the Fed would do kind of too, but you know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, and this is the uh, the situation that a lot of people are talking about. We'll get to it a little bit in the sense of how will Silicon Valley and the VCs kind of weather the storm of what we're seeing in the blockchain space, yeah. obviously with, on the kind of the aftermath of what's happened here with FTX. I want to jump over to this tweet. Fed is still sticking to its labor market is strong fantasy. Uh, obviously, we're starting to see these big numbers coming at the market itself. 11,000 with Facebook, most likely we'll see a fourth quarter hit again. Uh, and this is something, you know, you and I have talked about for quite some time is that the labor market, though, yeah, we've got a lot of jobs out there. The potential for a lot of job loss and or not a lot of job creation is now kind of in the sweet spot. Do you see that continuing to happen through end of Q4 and Q Q1? Yeah, so I've been shocked that we haven't seen the the job losses roll over into the jobs numbers yet, but there's no doubt in my mind it's coming. I mean, again, you mentioned Meta, but I mean, you could go down a list of some of the biggest companies out there, and there's almost every one of them, 10% of the workforce, 8, 11, 12, 13%, they're all laying off, right? And again, we have to look at it in terms of reality. We know that the economy is slowing and the Fed is causing this by hiking rates, right, which makes monetary policy more restrictive to slow the economy and bring down inflation. So it makes perfect sense that we're going to see a slower economy. And these companies realize that and they're starting to lay off. So to me, it's it's a, it's a we know that the jobs numbers are a lagging indicator. And at some point, it's going to come to fruition. And, and again, you know, it blows my mind that the Fed, I mean, they just want to hang on to this kind of alternate reality of saying, you know, oh, the jobs market is great, 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 great. But they they know what's coming down the line here. And and to just be saying it's great and kind of lying in a weird, it's not really lying, but it's kind of not telling the truth either that, hey, guys, be ready for this slowdown. It's, it is coming. Okay. So with the slowdown and the potential here, how hard do you feel 
if you look at the markets right now, we'll kind of take it in um, a quadrant here. You look at what we're dealing with right now within the crypto markets. Some people could look at this and say, hey, listen, how much more could go wrong? Some people are saying a lot more could go wrong. Uh, but at the same time, we are seeing massive outflows into self-custody. We're starting to see a lot of uh, on-chain data that seems to be moving a lot of people off the exchanges, which means they're not selling to a certain extent. Then you compare that to what's happening in the securities market, real estate, and then maybe in the precious metals with gold, silver, et cetera. Let's take a look at those four. Right now, what are your, what's your position with crypto as a whole? Are you still bullish, somewhat bearish? I wanted to jump to your tweet right here. Bearish sentiment out there on Twitter regarding crypto. Not surprised to see it catch a small bid. Uh, we'll be releasing a video. Do tell. What do you what do you see here? So so I do think that this down move, this breakdown, and we had this bearish channel. In fact, let me show my chart here so we can kind of gauge that. But basically, the you, the writing was on the wall that we were going to head lower, and the question is, mm -hmm. how low are we going to go? And you could see this channel here if we if we connect these lows and drag it up to these highs here, this was a bearish channel. I mean, when you have a drop like this and price consolidates without breaking to the upside, it inevitably breaks to the downside. So to me, this is the next move to the downside. Now, what's interesting about this is I do look at it as the beginning of the last move down, meaning that wherever we bottom out here is likely the bottom in Bitcoin. Um, a couple things, and, and this is going to what I was talking about in the video that I wanted to reveal, is that Basically, when I look at FTX, I see Lehman Brothers, and, and I haven't yeah. heard anyone else drawing this comparison. But if you look at the power that Lehman was in that time as one of the major banks and where FTX was as one of the major exchanges, both of them failing make a lot of sense as being that catalyst. Now, what's fascinating about this is if we go to the S&P 500, right? And I'm going to go all the way back here. We're going to go all the way back to 2008. Bear with me as I get there because it is quite a ways back. But if we go all the way back, what we can see is that when Lehman Brothers occurred, all right, this is where it occurred right here. Yeah. You can see that the S&P was not at a bottom. So it wasn't the bottom, but it kind of created that last drop in the markets that brought us to the low of 2009. And so one of the things mm -hmm. I was thinking about is, okay, it took about six months from Lehman Brothers to the low on the S&P 500. So in, okay. in that thought process, if, if FTX is the Lehman event of the crypto markets, you're looking at about five to six months before we bottom, which puts us in April of next year, May, somewhere June-ish, right in that vicinity. And then if you look at the price decline, it went from about 1,200 and change to the low in 2009 of around 600 and change. So 40 to 50% decline. So then if we map that over to the crypto markets and we go to Bitcoin here, What's fascinating about this is that you basically take a 50% decline from about 18,500, which was the break point. And if yeah. you zoom out, there's a long-term trend line going back to 2017 before the bull market to the 2018 lows of the bear market to the yeah. crypto low. And where does that trend line go? basically to that 40, 50% decline. So for me, I start to put the, the pieces of the puzzle together and say, okay, you know, this cycle, again, not quite the same as past cycles. This will be a little bit of a bigger correction, which makes sense with the Fed and with what's going on with FTX. But again, you can kind of start to see the similarities developing in this environment versus what happened in the Lehman Brothers collapse. And I do think it's very, very similar. And remember, yeah. it's similar because 
greed and fear are what rules investors, right? It's not, you know, there's no fundamentals. It's, it's greed and fear. Fear drives it to the downside. Greed drives it to the upside, to the crazy extremes. And so right. the Lehman collapse created the same type of fear that the FTX one is, which is people drawing out their money from exchanges and so forth. So it's kind of cool to think about it like that. But then that's to me what I'm expecting here. I think this is the final drop and I think we'll bottom in the next five, six months. Interesting. So, uh, so bottom potentially. Now, the, the concern I would have is the aftermath, aftermath effect on this. I was looking at a couple of articles that kind of went in this direction. And also my time in Silicon Valley and just wor- you know, working with a lot of tech companies also understand kind of how the connection to what's happening in blockchain is starting to flow over. This is uh, Chamath Palihapitiya predicting that we're going to see a major venture capital destruction because of what's happening here. Now, and, and remember, if you guys are watching our show, you saw us last week, we went down and broke down, you know, pretty much all the uh, valuation ramp ups for FTX, all the investors, which used literally every BlackRock, Lightspeed, SoftBank, you yeah. name them, they've been in there. And the potential here of possibly a Silicon Valley connection to something that could become very, very dangerous from a regulatory standpoint, but maybe even from a maybe a situation where we see charges and things of that nature that start to surface with other connected entities. How much effect would this have on the traditional securities side of it, especially from the tech companies that are out there right now? Anything, because a lot of these same companies invested in, uh, you know, in FTX are also invested in many of the tech startups in the Valley. Yeah, so there's there's no doubt there is going to be a chain reaction of issues, right? I mean, when you have when you have these institutions, number one, the biggest thing for crypto right now is that when you have big institutions that get burned to the tune of billions of dollars that they invested in in yeah. FTX, they're not going to go invest in more crypto projects until we get regulation and transparency. So right away, that just shuts off that door to the rest of cryptocurrency, and that that's a problem, right? I mean, it's going to stop innovation in the near term. It's going to make it so hard to raise any capital until we get this regulation out there. So, so I think overall, he's right in that it's going to cause more pain. There's no doubt that it's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of other, you know, hopefully no one any bigger than FTX, but there's going to be other bankruptcies. And I think if you look at the dot-com era and compare what went on there, you have to expect a lot of these smaller cryptos to ultimately get flushed out and go to zero. Um, again, in the dot-com era, we saw the same sort of greed driving the, some of these companies that had no reason to go up to you know $100 million valuations or right. greater go up, and they had to be taken out. And I think that's exactly what we'll see here in the crypto market for the next three to six months. What is your theory on this second dip uh, concept that's being looked at, uh, kind of this second phase of a potential downturn. I want to jump to this article. It says, we've all had positive news in the, off, in the offing. This is in reference to what's happened with FTX. But the problem is, again, there is still a lot of risk on the downside. This is David Sachs, which is a big investor in Solana, but also one of the guys on that All In podcast. And, uh, and a big founder in tech. He's been Silicon Valley ex-PayPal. But his second dip in the recession is what he's anticipating as being this double dip that would be very, very expensive to traditional investors. Do you see that actually happening? If we've got a maybe a five to six month cycle here to the bottom, is that the second dip you're, you're referring to? 
So to me, I think that for Bitcoin, that's actually part of the first dip. So right now we're technically, they haven't announced that we're in a recession. I think we probably are, but according to the Fed and government, we're not yet. So I think this is the first phase. What I'm thinking is the first phase is what helps drive Bitcoin to its low pivot. And then I actually believe that the second phase where the economy actually is going to suffer the most will actually be where Bitcoin flips and starts to become a safe haven for assets. And the reason it's going to okay. flip is because you're going to start to have a lot of investors looking at the economy getting worse and worse and worse. And they're going to start giving up on stocks like Apple and Microsoft and these other ones right. as the as the consumer just runs away. And so the question is, well, where do you put your money at that point? And this is going on the assumption that we do have regulation and transparency within that period. But I do think that once we get that transparency in the crypto market, smart money, billionaires, they're going to start moving towards Bitcoin. And I actually think in that yeah. second dip, Bitcoin actually outperforms. Interesting. So um, that's something that I've been looking at, because if you look at the trailing indicators on the markets that haven't completely adjusted just yet, such as real estate, and to a certain extent, maybe even um, gold. And when you look at gold and real estate in those two categories, and then you have the U.S. dollar, which, of course, we saw, we saw one of its biggest falls that we've seen in quite some time. I think it was almost 20 years. Does the dollar come back right now, or do you feel like this is its starting uh, of its trek downward as we start to see this adjustment in the economy? Yeah, I, I think that the high on the dollar is at least for a while the highest point. And I think that we will see bounces. I don't know if it's going to be on the PPI number or other things. Uh, the Fed, I could see jawboning and trying to keep keep pressure. And this is, by the way, this is another thing that people aren't talking about. But the Fed doesn't want the stock market to go up. And to, to yeah. look at this rally, they're probably thinking like, okay, now we have to talk more hawkishly than we were pretending because we can't keep this, have the stock market keep rallying. The wealth effect makes people obviously spend more money and drives prices up when it's supply and demand. So, so I think that's the key there is that the Fed is going to try to keep the, the lid on the markets. And then I think also you'll have to look at, at you know, the factors involved in these next couple economic statements. But I would guess that the dollar is probably at a short or made a short-term peak. Bounces, yes, but I think it's going to head lower. And by the way, I don't think that that's actually a great thing. I think right now the market's been craving a weaker dollar, but there will be a point where a weaker dollar is really, really bad because it's yeah. going to tell us that the economy is in tailspin. Yeah, and that that is the 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 signal that I'm watching for is that we we've, we've kind of been looking at this 2023 as a very critical period of time to analyze in terms of where the market starts to shift, where do we see that kind of scoop off the bottom. Uh, with that in in you know, we've talked about Bitcoin. I want to talk about Ethereum. Uh, this is an article just as Ethereum becomes a little bit more deflationary. Obviously, if you look at ultrasound money, everybody's been watching this one very closely, um, more than ever. Uh, and when you look at the ETH price as where it is right now, it's still flanking Bitcoin. Do you think that Ethereum during this next run can decouple from Bitcoin and maybe we see a flippening here? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's such a good question. I'm not sure if I have a great answer for that. By no means do I have any insights that, that are any different. I think that there's always that chance. I think it depends on the projects that continue to be developed on the network. Um, the question I guess I would throw back is, is if we see a big slowdown in the economy and some of these projects that were developed on the Ethereum network go belly up, does that yeah. then hurt the price of Ethereum? And I'm not sure mm -hmm. if it will. But it would just be something that I would kind of think about as as it seems like Ethereum is more like a security that would be 
it would be important based on economic activity versus Bitcoin, which is more of a commodity. Yeah, interesting that you state that because this is exactly what's happened to Solana. If you think about mm -hmm. just the ecosystem, most likely the problems that we'll start to see within the ecosystem, just because of the lack of liquidity and the situation obviously with FTX and many others that were hurt inside FTX, which is kind of going to a lot of these assets going to zero. With all that playing in, because Solana has been one of those that pretty much has been a, a little bit of an antagonist to Ethereum, yeah. especially if you look at the layer ones. And if Solana is really struggling to regain its market prowess, will Ethereum bleed off of this and maybe be in a better position in the next six months during this period of time where we could see crypto become safe havens? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think that's the key is that it's whoever comes out and survives this next period in crypto, that's going to be the long lasting king at that point or queen. And I do think that that's the, the positive for Ethereum is that it certainly seems like it's the most stable of these layers uh, to be built on. Right now, looking at your chart, uh, Gareth, in, when it comes to Ethereum, are you looking at still more downside here on Ethereum or where do you think the current um, scenario might play? Yeah, as of now, it, the chart is still very vulnerable, right? So we have this trend line down here, which connects through these two lows and through this area. And what you could see is when price broke down, it bounced, but it couldn't recapture that trend line and still has faded here. So for me, as I'm watching this, I'm watching that area. Can price get back into this, this kind of wedge pattern, maybe break above this? But as long as it stays below here, it is vulnerable to potentially retesting the lows down here. Yeah, so which gets us into the $1,000 ETH that you've kind of, we've talked about that one many times. So, okay, so others that I look at that are kind of in comparison, I look at it as a kind of a comparative token, and that is BNB. Uh, there's a couple of things happening with BNB. I just want to jump to an article. Might be impacted, obviously, by Binance's latest announcement. Uh, they were, what they were talking about is, uh, though there was a little bit of gains on uh, BNB, it's part of an ongoing commitment to this transparency scenario and fostering trust in the ecosystem. Many people kind of had been looking at uh, Binance that there was a lot of BNB being held on there, which is really to CZ's point, and this went out over Twitter over the weekend. You guys can check all the receipts over on Twitter of, of when CZ was kind of countering that. But the point he was making was that this is a selected token that the users are holding. It's not necessarily an issue on their side. How does BNB show up on your charts right now? Because it is one of those that has been a very solid token. Uh, how does it perform over the next period of time? Yeah, so right now it's holding support. So, I mean, if there's, if there's one to keep an eye on in terms of potential upside, you can see this trend line here, definitely holding that line. You can see we're right on it. So as an investor, if you're thinking about investing in this, and obviously this isn't advice, but you would want to see price hold this 270 level. If it starts trading below and holding below, you do make it does become vulnerable for a move to the downside. But right now, comparatively to the Solanas, to even Ethereum, it's at least holding its own. And I think bottom line is, you know, when you look at what went on with FTX and what you, you can see from other exchanges that have had trouble, you know, a lot of people are saying, okay, which which are going to be the ones that are standing following this period? And I think right now the feeling is that F, that uh, Binance is going to be one of those. And that's why price is holding up a lot better.
Yeah, it's a B- well of the of the exchange tokens. You know, BNB obviously is is there. Crow has had his struggle struggle yep. over the weekend. We've seen pretty big um, outflows from Crow's in term uh, from Crow. I should say from Crypto.com in terms of exchanges. But I think the the bigger message, and we talk about it all the time, is still you know especially on the crypto side is self custody. Right now, yep. when you look at uh, scenarios from a macro standpoint, we're going to have a chance to get some more macro guys on the show here uh, coming up. Uh, after the holidays, but there's a lot of movement right now. What is your outlook for December in terms of the Fed and the CPI when it comes to interest rate on the next round and what the CPI might do? What are, what are your thoughts on this one, Gareth? Oh, so I'm going to go with a 25 basis point hike. I think it's either 25 or 50. I think that we're starting to see, I think hopefully the Fed is noticing the labor market, the layoffs at Meta and so forth. And and I think they'll go with the lighter version to be a little bit safer going into the holidays, make sure that it's not a horrendous Christmas season for the retailers out there as well. Although again, keeping inflation down, they might want it to be a little bit of of a worse holiday season. So, so I would say 25 basis points at this point is what I'm factoring in. Um, and then I think after that, they're going to pause for a few months and reevaluate. So, so I think, you know, it's, it's one of these tricky situations where I, I still am in the camp that they've done way too much. Um, I think that uh, maybe at best we've seen one of the 75 hikes factored into the economy at this point. We know that there's a six to nine month delay there. And I do think that one day we're going to wake up and say, holy cow, this economy just slammed into the into yeah. a wall and the Fed is going to have to react and, and you know, maybe even lower interest rates if things get bad enough in the not too distant future. We're talking second half 2023, though. Yeah. So I think uh, right now we still have pluses in terms of the interest rate getting to that slowing, as they're saying, and not softening of the overall trying to adjust out again, getting into that position where the Fed can kind of adjust with what these lagging numbers are going to be coming at us all the way through Q1 and 2 of next year, which I think are are going to be some critical points. Do you not think, though, with a 25 and potentially a softening in Q1, um, and when I say softening, meaning a carryover of a 25, let's say that, that we continue to hold that 25 for maybe the next two or three months, would the market look at that any differently? Or do you feel like they would still keep it as a very cautionary position I guess with the other things from a macro standpoint, that might be the catalyst. Yeah, so I, I think for me, it's it's kind of keeping in mind that they still want to hike a little bit. They don't want to totally step aside. So 25 gives them that ability where they can then pause afterwards. But I think for the market's sake, it's going to be looking at the economic data. And, and as of now, for the last six months, bad news economically has been good news for the markets. And I think that in 2023, in that first half, we're going to start to see a shift. Once the Fed stops hiking, then and we get this bad economic data, the markets are going to now say, okay, well, when are they going to cut? And the Fed's going to say, hey, listen, and and we are we're going to see the inflation numbers. So I mean, if inflation is still four percent or four and a half or five percent, there's no cuts coming. There's no way the Fed will end up cutting, and that's when bad news is bad news, and you're going to see the 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 stock market react accordingly. Yeah, I would agree with that one. Uh, Gareth, let's go to the poll before you cut out of here and let's see what the audience has to say about all this. And here we go. Are you anticipating another major secretly insolvent crypto business to go under soon? Uh, I think is what they mean by that. Uh, yes, we're just getting started. 58%. Uh, no, nothing close to FTX. Uh, everybody's kind of split on this one. I think a lot of people are, it's almost like you just expect more bad stuff to happen. What are, what's your thoughts? 
So I, I think FTX might end up being the biggest one, but I do think there's more dominoes to fall. So again, yeah. hopefully we're towards the end of it, but I, I, I'd be shocked if there aren't more bad actors out there that were making bad bets, especially if Bitcoin's going down sub 15, more, more are going to be revealed. Well, it's the, and the issue is the tentacles. You know, that's the problem. It's the tentacles that start these domino effects. And I think that is yet to be completely revealed, just how deep this really goes. There's a lot of speculation, a lot of innuendo in the market out there right now. So we're waiting for a lot of the investigative journalists to really kind of dive into this because I think we're going to find some very interesting things, which could still cause a lot more, both in good and bad. Good probably on the side of regulation, probably much speedier and expeditious. Uh, bad in the sense that it's going to be short-term pain. So, yeah. But hey, we're all investors. We're big boys. We understand what's going on, man. Big ladies, That's too. That's right. Not big That's ladies, right. but you know what I mean. <laughs> Gareth, always good having you on, man. Thanks a lot for uh, stopping in. Paul. We appreciate it. It's always wonderful, Paul. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. You bet. All right, so we're going to take some questions from you guys. Uh, and I know Gareth was on a hard stop today, so we wanted to uh, get him out of here and get you guys as much, much uh, crypto wisdom as we could. Uh, let's go into a few questions, though. Um, with no trust in exchanges, uh, where do you put your buy orders? Well, the first thing I think, guys, is um, first of all, are you using DEXs? Are you using swaps? Are you going out to somewhere like a Uniswap, et cetera? Those are some great spots as well to utilize if you're interested. But really, exchanges are good for those hits and move, you know, kind of strategy, which is what I do. I use Bybit, I use Binance, Pionex, you know, some traditional exchanges that Coinbase is out there. Uh, if you're here in the U.S., maybe Gemini. But there's a lot of great opportunities there where you can go in, make your trade, get it cleared. Make sure that when you're in those exchanges that it has the ability to trade out of it because you, you could get locked into something where you kind of have to finagle some other stuff or buy a different token to be able to move it. So just be aware of those kind of moves. Uh, if you're out there, Crypto uh, is talking about Mulak. He says, uh, so still have time to DCA? I think so, yeah. Uh, to Gareth's point, we've been talking about this for a while. 14 has been kind of the trigger number for me, uh, even though I did have some buy orders over the weekend that were able to come in, but I think that's going to be a big one. XRP, we've got a lot of news coming on that. I think we're going to continue to see some positive scenarios play out of this, but right now the negativeness of where the market is with, with FTX, we're going to see some more things be resolved, but... The good thing is, is that the Band-Aid is off now and it can start the healing process, whether that's through legislation or dealing with a lot of scenarios that play out with revealing these bad actors and getting them out of here. Um, FTX is uh, more like uh, Enron due to the fraud. Yeah, it looks that way, apparently. Obviously, we won't know anything until the investigators and a lot of the, uh, you know, the lawmakers get in there and really understand. But I would agree. I think we're going to undercover, uncover some really nasty things. Uh, listen, when you're dealing with billions of dollars, that's kind of how it ends up. Uh, is and and following the uh, the Hansel Gretel uh, breadcrumbs are going to be very interesting. This is going to lead to some very high places. Just the amount of people that I've seen and talked to over the weekend and last week in terms of just some off-camera uh, interviews. Uh, lots of stuff happening right now on that. So stay tuned right here. Do not be surprised if some pretty big uh, bombshells to drop. Uh, will Solana survive? Man, you know, we did a whole series on the Solana after breakpoint. I love this token concept, mainly from their developer community. But because of the 
the issue that they're facing, I think this does detrimental damage to Solana in the long run. And it does, it's going to take some time because a lot of runway just got cut off. And what I say by runway is money that might have been maybe a lot of developers even that were holding tokens and or project funds runway in FTX. So that in itself is going to hurt, but also the liquidity issue of just being able to get uh, a power player like FTX out of the market and all of those uh, potential opportunities there. So it's a big problem. Uh, XRP is up 8% in, yep, uh, XRP is on flight. Yep, so we've got a nice little move going on with XRP right now. Like I said, we're expecting some pretty big news uh, coming from XRP and anticipatory uh, to continue to see some potential here with the XRP case, I think is is still going to be a good thing. And don't forget, XRP is is doing some other things in, fern, in terms of development. Obviously, in the NFT space, they're moving some additional components. I'm expecting some big partnerships to come out of the Ripple camp very soon because they've been able to start to kind of get a framework of how they're going to end up on this case and most likely getting ready to start to close some deals. I think that is also going to be a big one to watch out for. Should we sell in November and go away? Um, I don't think so. I think there's some trades to be made. Um, you know, obviously we're getting toward the near the end of, of November. Don't sleep on any of these tokens because there's going to be, and when I say any, the good quality projects that are out there that you guys are invested in. If you're still risking right now on the risk assets, my position is completely stay away from risk assets. Right, and when I say risk assets, meaning high risk assets within the crypto space. I do not consider Bitcoin a risk asset, you know, as a crypto uh, investor. I look at that as more of a safe haven within that particular portion of my portfolio. The other thing is, is, and I think you guys already always do this anyway, not financial advice, but is not centralized too much on any particular asset class, whether it's real estate, gold, uh, securities, or crypto. Diversify, be able to lighten your load in terms of where you're in and out of these, and especially when it comes to these exchanges right now as just as a, a number one thing to do, get off exchanges, start moving into cold storage or into a hot wallets where you guys can, you know, move funds around and deal with that. But that is really the solution that solves all of these problems. And I think it keeps everybody from getting caught. And listen, code is law when it comes to decentralized finance. We're not dealing with these centralized exchanges. And right now it is still the wild west. Don't let anybody fake you out that this isn't the Wild West. We are in the gold rush, and this is truly as lawless as it probably will become. And I think this forces a lot of things into the camp of legislation. Whether we like it or not, it's probably going to end up being over-legislated, especially in the DeFi space. could hurt us a lot in DeFi here in the United States. So a lot of that, though, yet still to be revealed. Uh, but I think we're in for a, a very big uh, end of year, but more importantly is in Q1, there's going to be a lot happening that I think starts to point in another direction. All right, you guys are uh, tuned in on the podcast side of things. Make sure and jump over here to the YouTube channel, catch these live streams. All you have to do is like the video and hit the little subscribe button. And if you tag that bell, it's going to notify you and let you know when we're going live with guys like Gareth and many others. We're going to do an altcoin analysis tomorrow for you. A lot of altcoins that could be in a position right now to really pay attention to. So we're going to have Evan on. Uh, we'll also get a chance to talk to Sue Ennis over at HUD8. So don't miss some of those videos tomorrow. Again, all you have to do is subscribe. That way you'll know and we'll get in your feed a little bit better. 
Of course, if you guys want to reach me, it's out there on Twitter, at Paul Barron. We'll catch you next time right here on TechBath.